We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We are live on Facebook, Soonersports.tv with Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. I'm Chris Plank, and we're pumped to sit here and talk about OU and Nebraska. The rivalry is renewed on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. We'll be on the air with a 9 a.m. pregame show on the Sooner Radio Network. But Toby, before we look ahead, let's look back on the Lincoln Riley presser. What kind of really caught your ear, eye, what stood out to you? Well, um, a few things. I thought that, you know, he was obviously happy with how his team played. But just talking about Nebraska, he was asked about how he'll try to educate his team or how he has educated his team up on the rivalry. That's an interesting question because while Oklahoma and Nebraska is a cornerstone of college football, I mean, it is, it is one of the top five rivalries in the history of the sport. Agreed. The guys playing now... 
you know, really don't know anything about right. it, honestly. I mean, unless they've studied it. Uh, the 2000 game would have been before most of them were born. They played in 06 and in 10 for a Big 12 championship. But the heart of this rivalry was back in the Barry Switzer and the Tom Osborne days. And even before that, uh, Fairbanks and, and uh, Devaney and uh, even back in the Bud Wilkinson days. And certainly none of these guys know that. So the, the memories you and I have of Keith Jackson's reverse right. of the one-handed catch of Johnny Rogers' punt return, which was before our time, but still, 1971. <laughs> None of these guys have. So Lincoln has gone to some lengths to try to educate him up. Look at that, 12 national championships, 10 Heisman trophies, 96 conference titles. There are 52 college football Hall of Famers between these two teams. So I thought that was interesting. I thought, you know, Adrian Martinez is really the central figure of this game. Lincoln talked about how his athleticism is something they're going to have to be wary of uh, this year. Here's some more history. Look at that. OU in Nebraska. This is the 50th anniversary of that 1971 one versus two game of the century matchup this year. Um, and, and also the conversation about Spencer and how much they try to put on his plate in the course of a game or any quarterback's plate, I thought was a fascinating conversation Lincoln had at his press conference today. The history conversation was also fun because, as Lincoln Riley said, there's only so much time that you get yeah. with these with these young men. So it's not as if you're like, all right, welcome to our three-hour presentation on the history you, of OU Nebraska. You remember this, but um, our great engineer producer for 30 years, Michael Dean, and when the OU men's basketball team a few years ago was going out to Pearl Harbor mm -hmm. to play Villanova, you remember that game out oh, yeah. in, in uh, Hawaii? He brought he actually brought Michael Dean in to talk to the team. That's awesome. To educate him up on the history of what they were about to witness. So maybe next time, maybe Lincoln, maybe later this week, Lincoln could bring Michael Dean in. Well, if he only gets a limited <laughs> amount of time with the guy, just kidding, Michael. <laughs> Uh, the thing that also is interesting is we, we've, I've been working on a podcast this week that uh, if you're a, an Oklahoma fan or even a Nebraska fan that's checking in, you hit it on the head. There is a whole generation of not just Sooner fans or Husker fans, but football fans, college football fans, pro football fans, sports fans that don't realize how special this was. And it's been really cool for me to hear from some of you. Uh, I, I reached out on Facebook and have you tell your story of what it meant to you and you know, I, I even had Dari Noka talk to him the other day, kid who grew up in Tulsa. And then, obviously, his first game that he covered as a professional journalist, if you will, was in Lincoln mm. as an OU grad having to cover Nebraska. So all kinds of incredible stories. I, I think, you know, not to get too carried away with what's coming up this weekend before we talk about last weekend, but just in thinking about what OU and Nebraska meant to so many people because of the stakes, Toby, and because of when it was played, you know, around a time when yeah. families would be coming together for Thanksgiving, truly one of the well, great rivalries. Listen, there, there are some elements to the sport that fade through the years. And sure. this is probably going to be one of them because Nebraska's in the Big Ten. Oklahoma is headed to the SEC. I don't know how often they're going to get together. It's certainly not going to be going forward like it was in the past. But I do think there is a responsibility to pass on down to the generations, you know. Great. Listen, this is really something cool. And when we were growing up, what, maybe it's the 47-game win streak for Bud Wilkinson. We weren't around for that. But mm -hmm. how many people have told us through the years? Oh, absolutely. The, 
the feeling when they sat at Owen Field, when the streak was snapped by Notre Dame, for hours they sat there and they cried and they hugged each other. And, you know, it is our responsibility, we're mm-hmm. both in our 40s, to kind of pass along to, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have thrown you under the bus like that. Maybe you, <laughs> no, I don't, Chris I don't is care. 29. 29 years old as I'm y'all in my tell. 40s. That's right. It is a little bit our responsibility to do what our dads did for us and say, That's listen, right. It's important for you to understand what you're witnessing here. And this is just a football game on Saturday, and hopefully Oklahoma wins it and plays well, and we move on down the line. It's going to be great when we go to Lincoln again next mm-hmm. year. But there is a larger element here. And Friday night, there's going to be a big banquet on campus at McCaslin Fieldhouse where a bunch of the greats from the last 50 years for both of these schools are going to get together and celebrate. And they should they tried to beat each other's brains out for years and years. <laughs> but what they created, what the Sooners and the Cornhuskers created on the field are indelible memories in the history of this sport. Not just Sooner fans, not just Husker fans, but in the sport of college football. Barry Switzer, Tom Osborne, all the players through the years. You know, Jack Mildred, I think we saw a picture of him a while ago. Mm-hmm. Thomas Lott, uh, you know, Keith Jackson, of course, Jamel Holloway. Huge Brian Bosworth, huge plays. And then in modern days, you know, that 2000 game, Josh Heupel, really it was the rebirth of Oklahoma football. Maybe the biggest game ever to be played on Owen Field was that 2000 OU Nebraska game, the importance that it had. Paul Thompson played a hero's role in 06. 2010 game was memorable. First game down in Jerry World. Uh, So just so many great memories. And I'm really excited just to see those uniforms on the field again. Fell behind 17-0, right? That's the right. Big 12 championship That's game. right, 2010, yeah. Came back and won. Travis Lewis had a big game. All right, so we've got much more on OU Nebraska and obviously tons of content coming up, not just on the Sooner Sports podcast here, but on Sooner Sports TV as well with the flashback show. So we'll talk about that in a week. Let's flashback, though, to Saturday night. Dominating performance from the Sooners. Um, Lincoln Riley talked about the injuries. We'll get to that in just a bit, but... What I wanted to see was more leadership, more juice on the sideline. I think we saw that, and it all started with number seven. Not, not just Latrell McCutcheon who got the start, but Spencer yeah. Rattler. How about that? Latrell yeah. McCutcheon got a start. I think all of the areas that you had complaints about or concerns about coming out of the Tulane game in the season opener, in my opinion, they kind of checked all those boxes on Saturday. Now, it was against an FCS team that they should have beaten soundly. And I don't know if that means everything is fixed going forward. But you wanted to see them come out and dominate for four quarters and take care of business. You wanted to see Spencer Rattler play better, and he did. He was sensational, I thought, on Saturday. You wanted to see them run the football better, only 116 rushing yards against Tulane. And they did. Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray looked much better. Jaden Knowles, Todd Hudson, they ran for almost 300 yards on Saturday. You wanted to see uh, a defense that continued to force turnovers but didn't let down, that made plays when and if Western Carolina got it on their side of the 50-yard line. And they did. The Catamounts didn't get it over the 50 very often, but every time they did, the defense either forced a turnover or pushed them back. Uh, So I think a lot – well, everything that you were concerned about coming out of game one was significantly improved in game two. I like Eric Gray a lot. I, I, oh, not just yeah. not just as you know a guy he's electric man in the open field not just in a guy that's a, a great talker and I love having him on the post game but Toby I think you started to see that and watching a couple of highlights of Kennedy Brooks runs but 
Lincoln Riley brought up something that always is a good reminder. It's one thing to it's one thing to see it and practice and write it out on the board. It's another thing than when you get out there and you are going up against, you know, another team full speed and you just you get the sense that for Eric Gray, he oh watch this. This is my favorite. Listen that open space, making moves, making people miss. It's maybe clicked after one game for him. I'm not trying to get too carried away here, but it was just, to me, incredibly reassuring to see how well he ran the football on Saturday night. I think he, in game one, he looked a little tentative, and he also had guys all over him when he got the football. Right. So I don't know that there was necessarily the running lanes there against Tulane that there were on Saturday. Boy, Caleb Williams, by the way. How good did he Ooh, look? look? How good did speed. C. Williams look? That's a look. quarterback right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, so it was refreshing because we thought Eric Gray had a chance to be special and, and maybe the best running back on this team coming into the season. And he looked like that on Saturday. They got a dynamic one-two punch, man. I mean, Kennedy Brooks is smooth. He's consistent. He's patient. He's a, a yardage gobbler and as a veteran. And then you bring in the sizzle and the electricity of Eric Gray. I really like that one-two punch. There's the numbers. 76-0. Sooners amassed 624 yards. I... I guess I didn't even realize the first down totals. Holy smokes. 31 to 11. Three forced turnovers. They've had six in the first two games. Four sacks. Uh, again, we played a 12-minute fourth quarter, so obviously time of possession a little bit skewed. But I love this note. The five fumble recoveries already on the year are more than they are more than they had last year. Again, fewer yeah. games, but still more than they had last year and in 2019. And the one I loved on Saturday was the Ethan Downs chase down from behind. You know, that's just a pure effort yep. right there. Sometimes you put your helmet on the ball, and you want that, and you pop it out, and that's you force a fumble. That's great. Ethan Downs oh, chased down a quarterback from behind, knocked the ball out, pure effort in fourth quarter of a game that was long decided. And uh, doesn't Teddy and Gabe love the fact he doesn't wear any gloves or right. anything. The trash man <laughs> the trash is man, what yeah. I think we're going to call him going forward. Gabe noticed that he picks up trash on the sidelines after the game. So the sidelines will look. I don't, we've never seen that, have we? I don't A think I've ever stick seen around to clean up no. the sideline. No, the only thing I've ever seen, and, and Kenny Mossman can attest to this, when we played at Kansas in 2011, Ryan Broyles had broke the all-time, was it, was it yardage or touchdowns? Right? I, yardage, I yardage believe. Yardage record. And he got mad at one point and took his gloves off and threw them in the trash. And so Kenny Mossman, because I noticed it, and I was like, he just set a record and he threw his <laughs> gloves in the trash. And I think we had to go dig it in the trash <laughs> to try to find those gloves and send them off to the College Football Hall of Fame. But, no, yeah. you, you don't have many guys that will stick around and do that. Uh, no, that I've never, I mean, Craig Moran, our producer, mentioned that Army cleaned up their locker room yeah. afterwards. That's true. Ethan Downs on Owen Field, both of the first two games, when – Everybody goes to their locker room, mm -hmm. has stayed on the field to walk up and down the OU sideline and pick up trash that's been left behind. <laughs> Gatorade cups, tape, all yep. that kind of stuff, and throws it away, which is, I mean, I don't know what this says, but that says something about that young man. Weatherford, baby. Forced a turnover on Saturday night, and uh, Bryson Washington came up with a couple, so that was good to see. 40-35, to 35, one over Tulane, 76-0 over Western Carolina, and now all of our, well, let me get this real quick before we, we focus on Nebraska. Concerning update on Woody Washington, right, with the question. Yeah, he kind of comes through the week. Brian Darby is out for this week, and he landed so awkwardly mm -hmm. uh, on his knee. Didn't know if, if we got an update on Stutzman. He didn't say anything about Danny Stutzman. He said there are a handful 
of other guys that are questionable, and we'll see how they come through the week. So I assume Stutzman falls into that category. Yep. Billy Bowman Jr. in that too? The fact that he didn't come out and say Danny Stutzman is out yeah. for the rest of the season is refreshing. I don't know if he's out at all. Right. But the fact that he didn't come out and just declare he's out because – that looked pretty serious when he went down on Saturday. And you talk about an exciting freshman. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Stutzman led the way with eight tackles. He's all over the place. We heard a lot about him from our partner, Teddy Lehman, coming into the season. And he has lived up to the billing in the early season. He looks great. And that, there, there is one request that I have going forward for Danny Stutzman. We need, when Nick Benito retire, or retires, moves on to the NFL, or, oh, you want him in 11? I want him in 11. I like that idea. I need or, – or 20. 20 wouldn't be too Either bad. Either Rocky's number or Teddy's yeah, number? Yeah, because he kind of looks that part. 44? Uh, or even 10, like Torrance Marshall was okay. there yeah. on Saturday night. 44 would be cool for Boz. Or maybe but, he just sets the standard for 20. Now, wasn't Travis Lewis 28? Yes, Travis Lewis was okay, 28. That's a great linebacker. Yeah. Boy, boy, imagine Danny Stutzman. Kids are going to be buying that 28 jersey in the future talking about – the great Danny Stutzman. But again, we'll see what his availability is on Saturday. It looked bad. But Alex Grinch told us in the postgame show that he was trying to go back in the game after he was taken to the locker room. He didn't want to come out. So, right. dude's tough as nails. Trying to get the crowd fired up. Trying to get the crowd the fired up while he was walking mm -hmm. off the field. I like him. And we got a chance to meet his dad, who played football at Baylor before the game. Uh, good kids. Got an exciting future. Let's hope they can get him back on the field. Because Saturday... Well, this is a little bit of a different animal. Nebraska is not the same Nebraska from the 70s and the 80s and, you know, parts of the 90s into the 2000s, but it's still a dangerous football team with some very fun athletes, including their quarterback, Adrian Martinez, who his biggest issue, Toby, is when he can't protect the football. But he can make some plays, and he's, he's, a, he's a handful. Yeah, Oklahoma's a better team. I, I think Oklahoma's got uh, better players at every position on the field. But this is a dangerous game. Oklahoma has also shown this year that they can let a lesser team back into sure. a contest in the second half. Nebraska is more talented than any team they've played so far this year. And this is what makes them dangerous. They are desperate. They, are, they know that maybe the only thing that could turn around a, an ugly start to the season for their head coach and for their fan base is if they were to go into Owen Field and knock off the number three team in the country with the world watching on Saturday morning. So I, I think Nebraska is going to show up and play really hard. I think they're probably going to show OU some things that they haven't shown yet this season on film. And, um, you know, the Sooners better be ready. Now, it will be interesting if Oklahoma jumps out in this game early to see what Nebraska's will is like because I think they're, you know, they're a little bit of a frustrated football team. But uh, they are dangerous. And this guy is really what makes him dangerous. Yes, he has had highs and lows. Adrian Martinez, their quarterback. He turns the ball over too much, but he is a fantastic athlete yeah. at the quarterback position. And you'll see a, a run he had, a touchdown run he had against Illinois uh, coming up here this earlier did. this year. Look at the speed of this guy. This isn't it, but there's one coming Sorry. up. When he gets in the open field, he's tough to catch. If you're going to get him at all, I was one goes. play away. No, I was there, one play away. Goes. I mean, he's, that's to the house right there. He's got a good arm. He's got good size. Oklahoma recruited this kid. He does run hot and cold, though. He's streaky. 
So you hope he's not on a good streak on Saturday because he is capable of making life hard for your defense. Yeah, they went 300-300 last week. 329 yards rushing, or two weeks ago, excuse me. 329 yards rushing, 300 yards passing. Now, again, that was against Fordham, but they handled their business winning 52-7. And since their loss to Illinois to start this season, Illinois hasn't helped them out too much. Illinois lost its last two games, getting beat by Virginia and UTSA. I have seen the Nebraska unis from the Buffalo game there. Yeah, that they're was, different. That was interesting. A little throwback. But you can see... Quick math, what is that? Uh, 80 to 10, they've outscored their last two opponents. So they're playing a little better. Again, we don't know what kind of competition Illinois truly was because of how the bottom's fallen out for Brett Bielema in their last two games. But, Toby, they've beaten teams pretty handily. And, boy, they, they got a big one. I mean, listen, we're excited about Saturday, right? Through the roof excited. That's a big conference opener, or game two in the conference season against the Michigan State team right. who has looked really good so far this season. Yeah, I mean, the road ahead is daunting for them, which is why I think they're going to play well on Saturday because they know that this is the opportunity to seesaw their season back in the right direction if they could win, certainly. But even right. if they came in here and played well in front of a national television audience, it could give them some momentum. All right, a couple more minutes before we get out of here. One thing, loved seeing the energy on the sideline, loved seeing the leadership. Isaiah Thomas being added as a fifth captain is something we hadn't found out until we were done last mm -hmm. week. And I'm not saying that, yeah, they added a fifth captain and made all the difference in the world, but you can sense IT, the IT department being open early in the season is big for this team. Well, I think it was, I think he earned that captaincy last week. I agree. Because he was a team leader in a time of adversity for this team. They didn't play well against Tulane and you saw him step up and had some critical things to say for his own team and I think behind the scenes what we didn't see he earned that that captaincy and you were down on the sidelines Saturday they tried to send all five captains out right oh yes they were I guess you can only have four I didn't know that toss. was a rule yeah I didn't know either um and so Spencer Rattler kind of patted on the shoulder of, of Caleb Kelly and said you go I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, and so Isaiah. Unfortunately, Jeremiah Hall, we have a little work to do on calling the coin toss. That one almost got away from him. That would have gone. We almost it, kicked off both halves. Yeah, because he literally said we want to kick going that direction. And Derek Johnson, the official, I believe it's Derek Johnson, his name, looked at him and goes, what do you want to do again? <laughs> I'm going to give you a redo. On but, that. but that's a good point on Isaiah Thomas to see that Lincoln Riley, his teammates noticed, listen, when things weren't going well, this is a dude that mm -hmm. stepped up and made some big-time plays. Uh, and not only on the field, but off the field, I think, is, is, is key for Isaiah Thomas, too. And then offensively, you know, we talk so much about Spencer Rattler, but I thought seeing Jane Hazelwood mm -hmm. get a couple scores, and we're going to talk to him on game day this week, but uh, he's the kind of guy that, you know, you see how he got that NFL body, yeah. and if he can get going, look out. A, a skill set that could be the, a game changer. Right. You know, I mean, he could be a number one receiver in the country type guy. I think it has been a little slow, and understandably so for him, coming back from an injury, just trusting his body that he can go out and run routes and not have to worry about that knee and everything. So big step forward maybe on Saturday for Jaden, get a couple of touchdowns, start to feel himself again. That receiving core is impressive. You know, yeah. we know what Marvin is. Mario Williams through a couple of games looks sensational, quick, so quick. You've got the big target in Jaden Hazelwood. You've got all these H-backs you can throw the ball to. Here comes Drake Stoops back. Mike Woods had him a touchdown catch. I'm leaving some guys out, but they've got a ton of options for Spencer Rattler in the pass game. Yeah, absolutely. So with that in mind, let's get ready for game day. Here we go. 9 a.m. Saturday morning, we'll be on the...
pregame show, 11 o'clock with a kick. But we've got a lot coming up on Sooner Sports TV and the Sooner Sports Podcast, counting down to game week, or game day, I should say, brought to you by Taco Mile. The full TV schedule is available at Soonersports.com slash TV schedule, including game day. First air is Friday night at 5.30, then Saturday morning at 10 a.m., but you'll all be listening to the pregame radio broadcast by then. <laughs> and here's all the flashbacks. And the must-watch is September 16th. That's Thursday, 4.30. You sit down with Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne. Yeah, what a thrill. Um, both of them were the offensive coordinators for their respective teams back in 1971. Tom Osborne is 84 years old. Wow. Barry Switzer is 83 years old, and they remember every play from that game. <laughs> it's amazing. So we watched the 1971 game together. It's going to be, you're going to love looking at that Sooner fans. But all of these are great. And if you're like me, and I, I won't speak for you, Chris, but I think you as well, there's so many things you forget. Yep from the, these games and to go back and watch them again is just a treat, just a treat. I, I will say we tend to pick out ones that owe you one, except true. for 1971. True, yeah. which you've been constantly reminding people game of the century. It's interesting. We, we, we did lose. We did lose. Um, yeah. And that Tuesday, the two games that are coming up later on this afternoon for those that are watching this live, watching and hearing Teddy Lehman Talk about some of the guys in yeah. the early 70s. Yeah. It's, he's literally on the edge of his seat with excitement yeah. watching these guys play. So that'll do it for us. Everyone have a great countdown to OU and Nebraska. It's going to be a fun. we got tons coming up on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Soonersports.com slash podcast or however you consume and get your podcast. Just search Sooner Sports Podcast, and we'll see you back here live next Tuesday for Toby on Plank, for our producer, Craig Moran, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Hey, before we get to the Lincoln Riley press conference, let me remind you about GoPuff. GoPuff.com is an incredible new food delivery service, snack delivery, whatever you need, and it's available right now at GoPuff.com. Simply hit up the website or download the app, and you can get everything you possibly need just at the click of a mouse. You enter your delivery address, you order what you need, and GoPuff has you covered. It's made by college students for college students. So snacks, grocery needs, drinks, cleaning, ice cream, quick meals, even things for your pets. Adulting, but make it easy. New job, new city, new responsibilities. GoPuff.com. Check it out today. GoPuff.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now. 
the Lincoln Rally Press Conference. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, exciting week. Really looking forward to, uh, to to this game. I think there's been a lot of uh, build up, and, and rightfully so. Um, talking about one of the greatest rivalries in, in the history of this game, one of the most influential rivalries, and to get a chance to to bring that game kind of back to life here uh, this year is is a great opportunity. Uh, we have talked with our team a little bit about the significance of this rivalry, uh, what it means, the history behind it, because we do take a lot of pride in our program and uh, all the players, coaches, everybody that came before us and, and what they did to build this. And, and we know how significant it is to those people, uh, was to those people throughout those years. And uh, so we, we want to you know, do a great job of, of honoring that by, by putting our best foot forward, uh, having a great week and being ready to play um, a good Nebraska team. So we're excited for the challenge, looking forward to another home game. I really uh, want to give a shout out to our fan base. appreciate their response last week. It was a, a, a blast to be in there. Uh, I think every I think every person in that stadium enjoyed it and appreciated it, maybe a little differently than they had before. I know I certainly did, and I think our players did as well. So. It was a, a great, you know, a great home atmosphere, and I know, I know this one will certainly be the same. So we'll be looking forward to to Saturday. Um, on the announcement front, uh, guys that will miss this game, Brian Darby will miss this game. Uh, Woody Washington's doubtful, but we'll see how the week progresses. And then we got a handful of other guys that are questionable. We'll see how they do throughout the week and make those decisions a little bit later on. So uh, with that, you guys far away. Telling your players about this rivalry and the history behind it, how did how did you go about that? You, you know, show them old games, show them highlights. You know, what does that look like for you? And then, uh, had you watched a lot of that stuff before, or has this been uh, you know some stuff that you've you're seeing for the first time? I've seen you know replays and highlights from several of the old games before. Um, certainly was aware of the rivalry and its significance in college football. Uh, for our guys, honestly, you know, I know everybody talks about the game of the century, but there was a lot of phenomenal games and, and players and moments in that. It felt, honestly, we, we talked about doing a video, and then it honestly felt a little, like, how do you pick just one? You know, like, it, it almost minimizes it. So we, we uh, I, I visited with them about it. We had a little slide prepared that, that showed, you know, the history of it when it started, highlighted some key games, some of the different players, all the different, you know, one versus two matchups, all the, the uh, significance for conference and national championships. And so, uh, and we talked a lot about, again, just the importance to our former players, people that were a part of that rivalry. And uh, if it's important to those people, it's important to us. So it was a, it was a good educational piece for all of us. There's there certainly some things I learned through it as well. To Bob about that, especially given like the, the 2000 game and the significance for, for that season? We, we have talked about that game several times, not, not necessarily in reference to this game, but I can remember several, you know, several times, uh, you know, him talking about that game and really thinking that was the game that really turned the tide in a lot of ways here. Um, I know for, for him, he personally felt that. And, and uh, so, no, it's been good to talk to him about it. I've talked with Coach Switzer before about some of those games. I mean, all, you know, it's uh, you get around this place. It's you. You're going to hear about that game as you rightfully should. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, a lot of talk last week about the, the way that your team prepared and, and played four quarters and things like that. Do you think that message 
has been fully received, or is that something you have to keep harping on? Oh, keep harping on. I mean, that'll be that'll be a weekly thing for us. You know, this, this week's a great example. You know, you, you come off it in a totally different scenario. You come off, you know, a, a, a game where, you know, the scoreboard says that you did, you know, that you did some good things. Um, there were, um, and then you go into a, a game that has a lot of hype and build up and all that. So it's really kind of the total opposite scenario for us. And so, and, and there's going to be different scenarios after each and every game and going into each and every week all year. And we've got to, you know, we've got to keep our mindset the same. You know, the reality is there's a lot of plays from that game the other day that we didn't do very well that we were successful on because we had better players. Um, and, and our guys can't look at it and say, well, coach, I was successful. So even though I didn't quite do this right, look, it still worked. You know, the, we know the margin of error is going to get smaller as we go, and uh, the competition is going to get better. We're going to have to get better. And uh, so as coaches and players, we've got to look at it with the exact same eye that we did the, the, the Tulane tape. You know, it's, there's got to be a lot of improvement. There, it was better, but it's far from where we want to be. I, uh, Iowa Western to Lane hour away from Lincoln, but you've been able to get Isaiah and Perrion from, from that school. What, do you remember anything in particular about Perrion, uh, his re, recruitment, and how happy are you with the way he played his first couple games? Yeah, I was a, I tell you, it was a, it was a fun recruitment. He's a fun guy, you know, energetic. He had a great family. Um, he was, I mean, we certainly recruited him, but he was pretty locked in on OU pretty quick. I mean, I really felt like he was going to come to OU early in the recruitment. And sometimes you get a feel for a guy and, yeah, he makes, he makes you know, you feel good about your chances, but he also makes 10 other schools feel good about their chances too. And he wasn't, uh, he wasn't that guy. He, he was loyal the whole way through. When he said he was coming, he was done. Uh, we had great visits with him. I, I, got, I remember I went up and saw him, uh, I guess it would have been maybe in December. Um, just met him up there in the library of the school. Everybody was gone for Christmas break. I think we were the only two people on the entire campus, and it was colder than hell. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, that school's obviously been good to us. And, yeah, he, you know, Perrion missed a little bit of time before the first game, so he had some good moments in the first game. Honestly, it was pretty rusty. Uh, he played at a, at a higher level more consistently the other night. these last couple of games, Nebraska's defense looking just a little bit more like those old black shirts from back in the day uh, against Fordham and Buffalo. What stands out to you most about what they've done the last couple of weeks? Oh, I mean, they, they do everything pretty well. I mean, they're they're pretty experienced in the secondary. The guys have played a lot of ball. Uh, they got a big physical front. Uh, they do some things schematically that really challenge you. Um, do a good job mixing it up. I mean, they're, they're a good group. You know, they are. They've, uh, you know, they, I think they've really improved um, from, you know, looking at some of last year's tape and, and on to this year. Uh, I think it's a, a much better unit, and, and they're played at a high level. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's, it's a, they, they've done a nice job with that group. You can see it heading in a, in a positive direction for them. And then I wanted to ask you real quickly about Adrian Martinez. Mm -hmm. Just what you see in him. He's a good player. You know, we recruit him a little bit. Um, very, very athletic, you know, knew that coming out of high school. And that's, you know, he's, if anything, he's improved there. He's, he's one of those guys, you can, you can have somebody account for him, but at the same time, sometimes he can just beat that guy too. I mean, his athleticism is, is 
it, it jumps off the screen. So um, I think has really improved as a passer. Uh, you can tell they're, I think, settling in with what they want to do with him, and, and uh, he does it well. So uh, I think he's been, looks, looks at to me, improved on the on-script stuff, and then the things that get off-script is when he gets really, really good. Um, so good player. You know, he'll be, be a big challenge, and he'll be as athletic a guy as we play all year. Lincoln, as you look around, as you look around college football, it seems to be more and more any given Saturday anything can happen. But is it getting tougher to hold players' attention spans? Is it harder now than it was ten years ago? When? Mm. No, I, I don't. Is it tougher? I don't know. Maybe a little. I don't think it's a huge gap. I just think you're fighting different things than you fought then. You know, and you just. So I think we've had to. You know, at times adjust our kind of our I don't know tactics, but kind of our strategy to hold their attention as as you know things have changed. So I I think the easy thing would be to say yeah it's a whole lot harder, but it was pretty hard back then too. You know I mean it's always a challenge, and you know you got to do a good job of the staff, and I think that's again where you rely on your leadership. You know at the end of the day, you know whether it's your focus, mentality, holding attention, whatever it is, if, if it's only coming from the staff, they're just going to get it ever so often. The most powerful is when it's coming, you know, from the staff and from the team as well and the leadership within the team. And um, so that, that's, uh, that's what we're all striving for. I think we've got a group that's starting to do that more and more, and hopefully we can keep that up. Jesse Crittenden. Hey, Lincoln, after watching the film from Western Carolina, was there any areas of improvement you saw from week one to week two that you were really wanting to see? And is there anything from week two going into Nebraska that you still think you guys need to improve on? Yeah. There's some areas of improvement, certainly. I mean, I know we've talked a bunch about the, the whole mentality. Uh, there, there, it was much, much better. You know, again, I think defensively, the we, were, we played a much cleaner game, uh, way less mistakes, coverage was better, uh, much improved there. We were improved on penalties, um, mental mistakes, all of that. So it, it was cleaned up. Yeah, areas I want to see improve. I think we only got probably 15 more minutes in this press conference. So <laughs> we got uh, – It's I mean, it's week two, you know. I mean, everywhere, everybody, the coaching, the offense, defense, special teams, all needs to get better. I mean, it's – again, it's just the – you see the score and you think, oh, that was like a perfect game. And you watch the tape and that was nowhere near a perfect game. I mean, it's – Again, that's why we can't get too result-oriented talking about us uh, because that doesn't always tell the story. You know, it's it's about the standard, what you play, and the reality is we we can look at that tape, every one of us, and if we don't look at that scoreboard and we just pay attention to how we're playing, improve, yes, needs drastic improvement, uh, absolutely. John Hooper. Lincoln, you guys have won games two different ways. Um, does that help you in any way moving forward, the fact that you're able to finish a game with everybody next to you on the sideline one game and the next game or the previous game, you guys are out there fighting their guts out to win? Does that prepare you in any way moving forward? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know those are coming. You just don't know when, meaning that you know, to, to have good runs as a football team, you have to win so many different ways. You know, and you can go back and look at any of our championship teams over the last several years. We've we've had a handful that you've had to gut out, and you've had a handful that we've played well and separated, and been a little bit more like the other night. So, um, 
I'm glad that we've found ways to win both of them. Um, you know, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we've shown the ability to do that. We're going to have to win more close games going forward. There's no question about it. Um, so, yeah, no, in some ways, it definitely is a positive that we have been in that situation already. Things that's been lost a little bit with this conference realignment has been some of these traditional rivalries. How good do you feel like uh, just these traditional rivalry matchups are for the sport? They're awesome. They're awesome. I mean, I think uh, it's really smart by both administrations putting this together. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you have big non-conference games and we, you know, we play, you know, as many of those as anybody, but there's something a little bit different about this one because of it, and it's so unique. And I think everybody, whether you're an Oklahoma or a Nebraska fan, player, coach, administrator, uh, anybody that has anything to do with either one, you know, you I think you realize that and, and that you are getting a chance to be a part of something special here. So uh, there's definitely a little bit of a different feel to this one, and I think it's fantastic for the sport. The rivalry itself. Could you maybe mention what games or, or players or, or plays specifically were maybe you know part of that process? Yeah, I mean, I you know I'm also on the clock with these guys too, so I mean I can't give a 30-minute history lesson. We got to get ready to play them on Saturday. Uh, but I did. I, I took them through the overall history. We highlighted a couple of individual games that were the very top, including the game of the century, of course. Um, didn't talk much about individual players because, again, I think while there's been so many great ones, you start, where do you stop? You know, and so, again, I, I think it was my job to give our guys a, an idea of the, the scope of this thing, what the overall picture looks like, and hopefully we can go create a great memory on Saturday. James, you know, Lincoln, uh, Scott, uh, Scott Frost is off to a slow start in some ways, and people are down on him, but I do talk to people up there that feel like He's beginning to turn the talent level over, and he's beginning to get more talent. You're trained out. When you turn on their film, what do you see out of Nebraska athletically, uh, specialty on both sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, I haven't watched them much in the previous year, so I, I don't know that I could give you a great comparison, but I, I see a talented football team. I mean, I, I see a quarterback that can run, throw, do it all. I see really good offensive skill. Uh, they're big, strong in the trenches, kind of like what you would expect. Again, I see a secondary that's played a lot of ball, has crazy good length. Um, so, I mean, I see a talented football team. You know, now, you know, is that better or worse than what they've had before? I'm, I'm not, a, I can't speak to that. But uh, there's some good football players, a lot of them, when I turn on that tape. Jimmy Carlson. Lincoln, um, Spencer, at this point, going into game three this year, a year ago, going into game three with Iowa State. Mm -hmm. How has he changed in his prep getting ready at this point in the year compared to where he was? And how have you all, I guess, adapted with him and what you're giving him and, and what you're asking him to do? Yeah, I mean, I think his prep has really just matured. I mean, I think he has a good feel now for what we're doing, the things that he needs to do, uh, both when he's with us, either in the practice field or in the meeting room, and then the things he's got to do outside of here to get himself ready. So he, he kind of... He knows the routine, you know, and he's, you could tell he's, you know, it's a, it's, it's still a grind and a strain on everybody to, to get ready to play these games, but he, but 
he, he settled in with it, you know, knows what to expect. And so you kind of feel that through the week that he's, um, as everything comes a little bit smoother, things are picked up a little bit faster. Uh, you know, you feel like he's at a good point in the game plan earlier in the week um, than, than what he was last year. Last year, again, first one, it's just kind of a fight and struggle every week to get ready. Um, and then, yeah, I think as we've learned about his strengths, weaknesses, what he likes, uh, what he's comfortable with, uh, we, we absolutely have, you know, evolved. And there's some things that I know right now that I didn't know last year at this time. And there's some situations and things I would have called and all that, that, that knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have done. And so, you know, some of that time, kind of that, that, that being battle tested, going through these things together, you, you learn about each other, you get a better feel for what's going to put him in a position to play as well as he can. What you give a quarterback going into a game as far as game planning goes. Do you give a quarterback more as they get more experience, or is that just is there a, a finite amount of game plan you can implement in, in any given week? Yeah, we're a pretty big believer in a in a set amount, um, but you know you can make that amount as easy or difficult as you want to. I could I could make it to where any guy in our room could go run it, and I could make it to where he's probably the only one that could, and so. Uh, and some of that's, you know, obviously he's a big part of it, but some of that's also, you know, what can the line handle? What can our skill guys, you know, looking at it from an overall perspective. But when you do have a quarterback that can handle things, it does make it easier and you feel more comfortable uh, giving your guys new things and feeling like that th after a week of practice, they can go execute it. Justin Martinez. Lincoln Adrian also has shown that he can make some big plays with his legs. You talked about carry on earlier. Just how important is it going to be for him to put pressure on him and also the D line in general? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the interior pass rush. Anytime you play a, anytime you play a really athletic quarterback is important. You know, I mean, obviously you'd love to get rush on the edges and all that, but you know, you're really. If you're really wide up the edges, you can open up big holes. Whereas that interior pass rush sometimes hard to get away from. And uh, so I think it's. You got to be really disciplined when you, when you rush the passer against this guy, um, and obviously Perion and, and all of our inside guys. Any inside push and pressure that we can get, uh, you know, is going to make things tougher on any quarterback, especially one as athletic as Adrian. How good was it? You take opponent into consideration, but you got some other receivers. Marvin Mims kind of being a consistent guy, but Hazelwood catches passes. Mar Mario Williams. Some other guys, Mike Woods, just to get other guys involved, so it's not just all on one guy. Yeah, no, it's important. You know, it's when we've been in our best, we've been able to to spread it around and have different weapons, and so it feels like we got the makings of having a, a group where the ball's going to have a chance to get spread around, and a lot of guys are going to be able to make plays. Uh, we obviously got to keep improving, but that, there's been some certain bright spots there uh, early on in the season, and now it's important. You never know who you're going to have available, who you're not. Um, and uh, and I think it's 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 really helped our quarterbacks because then you're not so zeroed in and trying to get this guy the ball or that guy the ball. You're just you know simply just going through your progressions and, and throwing it wherever the progression says and trusting it. And I think I think our guys have quite a bit of trust at each receiver position right now. Four straight home games that you've got seems somewhat irregular. Do you feel like that's benefited the guys in terms of compared to previous years of just them getting grounded and, and getting the foundation that they need going before you hit the road? And do you think that'll benefit you when you head to Kansas State in a couple of weeks? Um, 
I probably would have rather played a road game, but if I had my choice, but it's not, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I obviously love getting a chance to play here. You want to put your guys in as many different situations as you can. So, um, you know, we, we got the, the extra one at home, although be it a strange one, we got the extra one at home and uh, that's what it is. So we need to take advantage of that. We're going to get to play in, you know, we got one uh, last week. We're going to play in two more great atmospheres here before we go on, on the road and, and it'll be a challenge when we get there. But um, yeah, I mean, positives and negatives to both. We got to, like anything, we've got to, you know, emphasize and take advantage of the positives and be ready to overcome any negatives with it. Like Kennedy Brooks has kind of just picked up where he left off. Is that what you guys are seeing when you watch him on film, or is there still something that you know is not quite there? You need to fine tune after sitting out the year. Yeah, he's better. Uh, you know, he's 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 done. It's honestly pretty impressive. You know what he's done just watching him. I mean, the with that much time off, um, away from the game, away from the practice field, all that. It has been. It's been good to see him get back in the flow. I thought he was better here uh, the other night than he was in the first one, and uh, and he'll continue to improve as as he as he gets carries and experience going forward. But the thing I see with him, I think he's a little more explosive, a little faster, a little stronger. I think his body has improved and probably uh, at a at an all time high for him. You know, and I can I've, I've seen the guy carry the ball so much, I can notice some subtle things physically that he's doing that I think are are better than in years past right now. He trusted it more. You know, he trusted the line uh, where it was supposed to hit. I thought he ran more decisive. Um, you know, made a couple big plays, obviously. So, no, I think it was a a step that we expected, kind of a natural first to second game um, improvement, uh, and, and appreciated the way that he trusted our line and our line responded. And when you're both on the same page like that, you're going to have success. So it was a it was a nice, uh, I won't say bounce back. He wasn't awful in the first game, but it was a it was definitely an improvement for Eric. Now that you've seen Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson in game action under the lights, score a couple touchdowns, are you more confident or more comfortable using them moving forward? I would say so. I mean, I you always think you're going to see what you see on the practice field, but you got to you still want to see them do it under the lights. And so they they both did a good job the other night. Um, you know, made a couple plays. Um, did, you know, ran hard with the ball. Ball security was good. You know, I thought they solved everything well. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think they're. You know, listen, we're going to need those guys at some point this year. I can't tell you when it's going to be, uh, but we're, we're going to need them, and uh, they're getting better. I mean, the, the nice thing about having a small room right now is everybody's getting a lot of reps, and so all those guys are getting a chance to improve. And I think we saw some of that Saturday night. Lee Benson, coach, uh, through two games now. How has Wanya progressed? I know it looked like he got more snaps the last game out. And I just I know you like to play a bunch of different groups on the offensive line. Is that going to continue going forward in just the rest game to find that group that you like? Yeah, I thought Wanya came in and, and, and played pretty well, you know, for his first action. Uh, we've, we've worked him at both left and right tackle, and I think he's handled it pretty well, starting to get more settled in with, with our mentality, uh, with, with our scheme. I guess kind of like Eric, you know, it's. Knowing it, being able to draw it up on the board is one thing. Going out in the game and at full speed, trusting it and executing it at a high level is two different things. And so I thought he uh, he's improved. You know, I think we're going to continue to have battles as this thing goes out. I mean, we feel like we've got you know six, seven, maybe even eight quality, you know, starting quality offensive linemen, and uh, 
you know, again, we're going to try to find the best group as we continue to go through. So um, uh, don't know if we would decide yet, uh, you know, how much rotation there would be, but there's still going to be internal battles. Lincoln, what does it say about Marcus Hicks with injuries, pushing the position, and then there, there he was finally getting a chance to play Saturday? Yeah, and did a good job too. Yeah, no, it's and the journeys are always different. You know, his has been from the you know from the Achilles injury to um, you know us making the move to offensive line, and and he's you know had to kind of learn that thing on the fly. But he's he's got some he's got some real talent for the position. He really does, and so. Well, this will be a great year for him to to really take it all in behind the scenes. You know, really start to learn what he's doing, have a, have a better idea of you know the techniques, the fundamentals, everything associated. We'll we'll do some different things with his body to get him ready, and you know, hope to be able to, to play him and really develop him this year. And then and then the hope is you know have that guy ready in spring ball to to contribute and because uh, he does have ability. I mean, there's no doubt, and he's got a great attitude. He's a smart kid, so. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all here in a few years to, to uh, you know, see him turn into a really good player at the at the offensive line. You know, Lincoln, you're playing a number of freshmen. The trail started. Stetsman got in early. You know, you're you're playing a number of guys. You always seem to do that. So in recruiting, I'm just doesn't that help you a lot, or can you explain how it helps you a lot when you tell a kid if you're good enough? I don't care how many guys at that spot I'm playing. In. Yeah, no, I think it's it's uh, it's something that gets discussed quite a bit. You know, it's questions that we get asked. You know, people people want to know if they're going to get opportunities. You know, and our big deal, we we told people, we never promised anybody anything. I mean, you look at some of the guys we brought in here. We make everybody earn it, and nobody walks in here with a freebie. But at the flip side, nobody walks in here with no chance either, and nobody's got anything sewn up. And that's just always been our belief. You know, it's, it just goes back to competition and. And you know, for us, we don't want to be scared to put a freshman in the game if he's the best player. Even if another guy, you know, you've played with them more, or you know, you maybe have a little bit higher comfort level or whatever. That's that's comfort level will get you beat. I mean, you got to you got to play the best people. Uh, you got to give everybody a, a shot to show you know what they can do. Um, and that's that's what we try to do. We try to take the whole freshman, sophomore, junior, senior thing out of it. You know, who's the best player? Who's who's performing? And who do we trust? And if if that's a freshman, great. If it's a senior, great. We just want to get the best guys on the field. Ginger girls. Lincoln, I asked you to go back to East Carolina days on Saturday night. I'm going to ask you to go back even further. Okay. <laughs> so when you were a kid, you, you didn't grow up in Oklahoma or Nebraska, but I'm sure you watched a ton of college football. What are your memories of OU Nebraska? What do you what sort of in your in your brain about that series when you were young? Uh, just, you know, I remember it being – just always kind of that it game. Um, I just it, it was always talked about on such a national level that yeah, even though it wasn't quite, I guess what you call regional for us, um, it's one you're always aware of. And then obviously all the all the great players that came on both sides of the ball, the championships, the dominating sides of the ball. I mean, yeah, it was one of those from afar you looked at and said, man, it'd be cool to be a part of that one day. So uh, little did I know, you know, here we go. So. That's uh, that's cool. We've we've got we've gotten to play in some great venues over the years, and obviously historic games. Some of them that we get to play each and every year, meaningful games, all that. But this one will this one will be right up there. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate. 
proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.